So I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I thought I was through with the series last week. But this week, the Lord changed my mind. So today is the fifth, and with the Lord's blessing, the last sermon in this series on culture shift. I really felt like we needed to come back and we need to put a bow on that series. So I want to speak to you today on the subject, the invisible war. Have you ever gone to an escape room? I know all the teenagers have and college-age kids. Personally, I've never been to an escape room. But they tell me that they put you in this room and they lock the door and you have 60 minutes to figure out how to get out of that room. Now, for some, that would be quite unnerving because literally you are trapped in a room and you don't know how to escape there at the beginning. You got to figure it out. Some of you know what it's like to be trapped and it's not a game for you. You are trapped in an addiction. You are trapped in a disease. You're trapped in a dead-end job. Or you are trapped in a financial quagmire. Some of you are trapped in what the Bible calls a satanic stronghold. And there seems to be no way out. Every one of us must face a sobering reality. And that's simply this. We are engaged in an intense spiritual war. Whether you realize it or not, this spiritual war is very real. Some of you today are fighting to stay true to Jesus. Some of you are fighting to keep your marriage vows. Some of you are, are, are fighting... Because you're, you're a man and you're fighting this demon of pornography. And some of you are clashing with depression and discouragement. And you feel like you're trapped and there's no way out. We need to understand as we get into this text today the meaning of two key words. Look in verse 3 through 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. You see that word fortresses? In, in many translations of the Bible, it's called strongholds. And a fortress or a stronghold the meaning, it's a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. It's a place where a particular cause or belief is strongly defended or upheld. And then in verse 5, we read this, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Do you see that word speculations? It, it means uh, the forming of a theory or a conjecture 
without firm evidence. In our current series, we've examined four major culture shifts that has occurred in our lifetime. We, we looked at the truth about truth. Many people have adopted the mantra, truth is relative. In other words, I have my truth, you have your truth. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Many people have bought into that ideology. And it is a very dangerous ideology. Now, we countered that in that first sermon when we said nobody's truth trumps God's truth. And then the second sermon, I preached a message entitled Stolen Identity. And with the explosion of transgenderism and the LGBTQ ideology, the thought behind that ideology is simply this, I am what I feel. I am what I feel. And we counter that with this thought, embrace your God-given identity. And then the third sermon was the sanctity of life. And the ideology behind the pro-choice movement today is simply this, my body, my choice. And our biblical challenge was a simple one. As we focus on the sanctity of life, here was our challenge, do the right thing. Just do the right thing. And then finally, last Sunday, I preached a message on racism. And our world has been divided up into multiple races by those who are in the intelligentsia of our country. And the idea of racism is that my race is superior to your race. That's, that's what's behind that ideology. And we counter that last week by saying, love God, love people. Every one of these cultural issues can become an ironclad trap that seems to have no way of escape. How should we respond as Christians? How should we respond as a church to these issues? Well, we can't stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend they don't exist because they do exist. These issues are real. And real people have been affected by these real issues in very painful and difficult ways. We can't run from these volatile issues either. We've got to address them. And we certainly must not adopt the harsh rhetoric of many in our culture who dump uh, their, their verbal garbage on people who are caught up in one of these ideologies. We can't do that as a church, as Christians. We must face these issues head on. And we must speak the truth with love and grace. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill 
cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. As the, as the, the body of Christ, as Christians, we must address these issues and we must minister to people who are caught up in the traps associated with these issues. Now, if anyone could be called an expert in this invisible war called spiritual, war, spiritual warfare, the Apostle Paul certainly could address it. Scattered throughout his letters are references to the subject. He reminded Timothy that he must fight the good fight of faith. And he explained to the Corinthian believers right here in our text today how they could destroy satanic strongholds in their lives and escape and be free from the torture of being in one of those strongholds. This man knew what he was talking about when he talked about this invisible war, this thing we call spiritual warfare. False apostles had infiltrated the church at Corinth, and they had inserted their own twisted view of the gospel. You know what they taught? They taught that you're not saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. They taught that you are saved through Christ, yes, but you're also saved as you keep the Mosaic law. And they added something to the gospel. Now, my friend, listen to me very carefully. We should never add anything to the gospel, and we should never take anything away from the gospel. The gospel is the truth of God that has been deposited in local New Testament churches now for 2,000 years. And as Jude said, we must guard that truth. We must guard the gospel with our very lives if need be. Now this gospel that these false teachers and apostles had preached there had become an ideology. You, you say, what is an ideology? Well, it's, it's something that's not true that is received as true and people build their whole lives around it. And that's such a dangerous thing in our lives, and it was certainly a dangerous thing in the first century. So the apostle spoke candidly about the need to demolish and destroy these strongholds. Now I want you to just flip to your right a little bit and look at the, the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 27. Look what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He said, do not give the devil an opportunity. That word opportunity can be translated a place. And if there's something we all need to hear today, whether we're in this room, whether we're watching live stream, wherever we are, we should never give the devil a place in our hearts and our lives. I tell you, a toehold for the devil would become a foothold. And a foothold would become a stronghold. And so we've got to avoid giving him any place 
to insert himself and his devilish doctrines into our lives. Unfortunately, most believers are are clueless when it comes to the subject of spiritual warfare, this invisible war that we're talking about today. J.C. Ryle commented, and I quote, he said, the saddest symptom about many so-called Christians is the utter absence of anything like conflict and fight in their Christianity. They eat, they drink, they dress, they work, they amuse themselves, they get money, they spend money, they go through a scanty round of formal religious services once or twice a week, but of the great spiritual warfare, its watchings and strugglings, its agonies and anxieties, its battles and contests, of all of this, they appeared to know nothing at all. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's say something. We cannot afford to be novices when it comes to spiritual warfare. We have got to learn to engage the enemy in spiritual warfare and come out on the winning side. By the way, do you know that if you're a follower of Jesus, you've already won. The, you don't fight for victory. You fight from victory. Jesus has already won the victory. He won it at the cross and through his resurrection. Now, here's a thought I want to drop in your heart today. Satanic strongholds must be destroyed. They must be destroyed. Not dismantled, destroyed. We cannot leave one scintilla of a stronghold in our lives and hearts and minds when we destroy it. It's got to all be destroyed. If you've been ensnared by one of these strongholds, how do you take back lost ground that you have surrendered to the enemy? How do you do it? How do you destroy a satanic stronghold in your life? Well, number one, depend on the Holy Spirit not yourself. Look at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, the word flesh there refers to his humanity. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to what? The flesh, according to our humanity. All believers are soldiers in this invisible spiritual war. There are no exemptions and there are no deferrals. In Ephesians 6:12, Paul defined the battle every believer must face. He wrote to the Ephesians and he said, "For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places." The word war means to engage in battle. Listen, only the Holy Spirit can empower you in this battle and help you to be successful. 
That simply means that you must surrender your life to the Spirit's control. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said, be filled with the Spirit. It means bring your life under the control of the Holy Spirit. Bring your mind under the control of the Holy Spirit. Bring your tongue under the control of the Holy Spirit. Bring your heart under the control of the Holy Spirit. Bring every member of your body under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. And if you're a born-again believer, if you really want to live a a victorious Christian life, you have got to be controlled and filled by the Holy Spirit of God. This is what Paul meant when he said we don't war according to the flesh or according to our humanity. So he wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Do you want to escape from a satanic stronghold or do you want to help someone that you love and appreciate and care for? Do you want to help them escape from a satanic stronghold? You've got to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Number two, fight with proper weapons. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, Paul wrote, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, they're not of the human kind of weapons, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Now that word fortresses, remember, is, is a word that has a synonym, and the synonym is strongholds. Impotent human weapons will never destroy the fortresses are the strongholds that the enemy inserts into our minds and hearts. They are designed, these strongholds are designed to keep believers from walking in victory. And they're designed to trap unbelievers in an effort to keep them from being saved. Some of you and, and some of your children right this moment are trapped in a satanic stronghold. You're in great danger, and you may not realize it, but I, I can tell you this. You cannot be in the trap of a satanic stronghold without being in great peril and danger. Jesus has called you to engage the enemy and to destroy his stronghold. Listen, a spiritual war has to be fought with spiritual weapons. Do you remember when David went to fight Goliath? Do you, do you remember what King Saul did? King Saul brought him into his tent. And he said, here, take, take my armor. Now, David was a young teenager at the time, and David tried on Saul's armor, and it didn't work for him. It would have been an unmitigated disaster if he had walked into the valley of Elah to go against Goliath in Saul's armor. And that's the same thing that we're taught right here by the Apostle Paul and by the Holy Spirit this morning. We cannot fight spiritual warfare with fleshly weapons. We've got to have spiritual weapons to fight this kind of battle. So what kind of weapons does the Lord Jesus make available to us as born-again believers? Well, the first one is the Word of God. 
the word of God is a weapon. Did you know it's a weapon? In, in fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul talks about the armor that God has provided, there's only one offensive weapon in that entire text, and it's the sword of the spirit, the word of the living God. Satan is a deceiver. Did you hear me? Satan is a deceiver. He wants you or the people you love to buy into an ideology or a philosophy that is not true. And he will then reinforce his lies with powerful feelings and emotions to make the person feel like they're doing the right thing and they're thinking the right way. And it will cloud their ability to think clearly. So how do you destroy a lie? With the truth, right? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as a division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jesus said this, in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, and he said, listen to what he said. He said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Do you want to be free from that satanic stronghold? Do you want to be free from that lie that the enemy has planted in your heart and built an entire fortress around that lie? Do you really want to be free from that today? Then turn to the Word of God. The Word of God is a powerful weapon. And take God's Word and use it to defeat the lie of the enemy. Here's another weapon that God has made available to us, and that's prayer. Prayer. Aren't you glad that we can pray? Aren't you glad that as born-again believers, we can go directly to the throne of our Lord and we can ask him specifically for things in accordance with his will and we can know with absolute certainty that because we prayed according to his will, his word, and his way, we have the request we've asked from him. That's a powerful privilege. That's a powerful weapon. In that text where Paul is describing the armor that he's made available in spiritual warfare, he ends it with verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6, where he said, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So what do you do? If you or your loved one is trapped in one of these satanic strongholds, I tell you, you can apply the Word of God to it, and you can pray about it. You can ask the Lord Jesus to take away any false sense of security that someone has, you or someone you love has, as a result of being in that satanic stronghold, and to reveal the truth to them and to set them free from that stronghold and that lie. It could be the LGBTQ philosophy. It could be the philosophy of relativism where, 
where people say, well, I got my truth, you got your truth. It, it could be the pro-choice movement. It could be uh, humanism, evolution, secularism, pluralism, any of these isms. Listen, you can pray for, de for deliverance from these strongholds, and God will hear that prayer, and he will apply his power to that stronghold and destroy that stronghold. And here's a third weapon that God's made available to us. It's the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So when Paul went to Corinth, he didn't come to debate on a philosophical level. He was armed with the gospel the good news of God's love, of Christ's death on the cross for sinners and Christ's resurrection from the dead. Take your Bible and flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look what Paul wrote. Verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 2, 1 Corinthians. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Paul didn't come to Corinth to debate. He didn't come to Corinth to argue. He came to Corinth with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the gospel was used by, by, by the Lord Jesus to, to win people to faith in Christ and to plant a New Testament church in that wicked, immoral city. The gospel is a powerful weapon in this invisible war. You know what it does in the life of a believer? It produces compassion. I tell you, you can't be a born-again believer and know that you've been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and that you didn't deserve to be saved. And there's no way that you can be so uh, cruel and so uh, say such unbelievably horrible things about people who are caught up in some kind of satanic stronghold. You can't do it. I'll tell you what the gospel will do. It will be like a fountain that will create compassion in your heart and love in your heart for people who are trapped in one of those dead-end ideologies. Satanic strongholds. We can't play with them. We got to destroy them. So how can we destroy them? Number one, depend on the Holy Spirit. Number two, Fight with proper weapons. Number three, know what you're up against. Know what you're up against. L listen, you are fighting the devil. Sometimes we make it too personal. Sometimes we, we make the enemy people, and the enemy is not people. Your, your enemy is not President Biden. Your enemy is not Democrats or if you're the other persuasion, Republicans, that, that's not your enemies. Your enemy is the devil. The, the people I've mentioned are pawns in the hand of the devil. They're accomplishing his purposes, and he is using them to build his own ungodly kingdom. 
Now, listen to me very carefully. Know what you're up against. Look at verse 5. We are destroying speculations. You remember what a speculation is? It's a false reasoning. It's, it's philosophies, ideologies that are anti-God in nature. And, and, and Paul wrote, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Have you ever asked yourself, why, why are so many people attracted to these ideologies, to these strongholds that Satan has built, traps to trap people in? Why are they attracted to them? What makes them so strong? Why is it so hard for a person who has been caught up in one of these false ideologies to be set free? Why is it so hard? Well, look at this. He mentions every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And, and you know what he's mentioning here? He's talking about pride. One of, the, one of the reasons that people are so caught up in their ideology and they find it so hard to be set free from one of these satanic strongholds is pride. Pride. That's what he's saying here. Every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. He's referring to prideful, unbiblical systems of thought that are used as an excuse to reject Jesus and to reject the clear teaching of the Word of God. Now, the focus, if you'll notice here, the focus of this spiritual conflict is the mind. It's the mind. J. Oswald Sanders said, the mind is a battleground on which every moral and spiritual battle is fought. Your adversary, the devil, knows that if he can get a person to think his way, he can also dictate his or her actions. I'll tell you what, if there's flawed thinking, there's going to be flawed decisions and flawed actions every, every single time. But I tell you what, if we can correct people's thinking, if we can get people to think biblically instead of thinking the way Satan wants them to think, everything can change and victories can be won and strongholds can be shattered and destroyed. How do we do it? First, you must depend on the Holy Spirit. Secondly, fight with proper weapons. Thirdly, know what you're up against. And then fourthly, and this is where I wanted to get with this, change the way you think. You got to change the way you think. Look at verse 5 again. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. That's, that's the air of your mind, right? And we are taking every what? Thought, that's your mind, captive to the obedience of Christ. Do you know someone who has fallen into the trap of racism? Do you know someone who has fallen into the trap of the LGBTQ philosophy? Do you know someone who has fallen into the trap of the pro-choice movement? Do you know someone who's fallen into the trap of relativism where they think that their truth is just as, as true as God's truth or anybody else's truth? Do you know people caught up in these ideologies? The goal is not simply to shatter the stronghold and set them free. The goal, don't miss the goal here. 
The goal is to help them take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I tell you what, if people learn to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, then their decisions and their actions will be much better and much more biblical than before. Paul wrote about the importance of the mind several times. In fact, he wrote this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? Talk to me. By the what? Renewing of your mind. Change the way you're thinking, Paul says. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now listen, we live in a world that is 100% into these ideologies, these strongholds, these traps that Satan is setting for people. If you don't believe it, walk into, into Target this afternoon. Just walk in Target. I'm not going to say anything else. Just keep your eyes open, walk in a target, and you'll see how the world is fueling these ideologies, these ideologies that we have been preaching about for the last four weeks. Listen, your thoughts will come from one of three places. Every thought that comes in your mind will either be from God, it'll be from yourself, or be from Satan. Can you tell the difference? Think about that. Can you tell the difference? Can you tell where a thought comes from? If you're a born again believer, you should be able to tell the difference. Listen, if you have a thought in your mind and you run it through the grid of Scripture and the grid of Scripture does not catch it or kick it out, then you know it's from God. It's from God. But if you have a thought come through your mind that does not agree with Scripture, you know it's from who? Satan. It's from Satan. And every once in a while, we have our own thoughts. But we have got to learn to take every thought captive, what? To the obedience of Christ. We've got to learn to do that. So here's what you do. Tap into the spiritual blessings that comes with the gospel. Do you know the spiritual blessings that come with the gospel? Man, if you haven't read it lately, go to Ephesians chapter 1 and read in verses 3 down to about verse 13 and read about all the spiritual blessings you have as a believer. Oh, my goodness, they're wonderful. And they're so powerful. And they're yours. And we can't leave them unused. We've got to appropriate these spiritual blessings in our lives. And then pray for victory. Fill your mind with the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Renewing the mind is crucial in spiritual warfare. David Platt said this, and I quote, he said, there are spiritual forces of evil 
in the heavenly realms who desire, who aim to defame God's glory, to distort God's gospel, and to destroy God's people. Is there a way to free ourselves from Satan's traps? Yes, there is. But don't forget our challenge. Satanic strongholds must be destroyed. And then once they're destroyed, that's only half the battle. Once a satanic stronghold is destroyed, then we have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And if we don't take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, we'll be right back in another stronghold. So today we've discovered four keys that will allow every believer to escape from the enemy's traps. Do you remember what they are? Number one, depend on the Holy Spirit. So I'm asking you this morning as a believer, will you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and control you? You say, Pastor, that sounds charismatic. That's not charismatic. That's biblical. It's right there in Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. So if you're in this room today and you're a believer and you have allowed the enemy to take ground in your life that he should never have been allowed to take and you have bought into one of his lies, an ideology, and you are trapped, I want you to know this morning, if you will, number one, depend upon the Holy Spirit, ask him to fill you and control you, you're on the way to victory. Number two, I'm asking you to fight with the proper weapons. I've mentioned three weapons that he's made available to every believer. Remember, you cannot fight a spiritual battle with fleshly weapons. You got to use the word of God. You got to pray. And you got to embrace the truth of the gospel in your own life. You got to preach the gospel to yourself and all the blessings that come with the gospel. And you can be free from that trap. And number three... Know what you're up against. Know what you're up against. This is a real war. It's an invisible war, but it's a real war. And you've got to be willing to fight that battle. There are no days off. No days off. You've got to be willing to engage the enemy. Will you engage the enemy? Will you ask him to give you victory today? And number four change the way you think. Ask the Holy Spirit to renew your mind, to help you to think biblically. You can do that today as a believer. In fact, in just a moment, we're going to worship, and I'm going to invite you to respond as a believer. Look, I would imagine that there are believers in this room who are right now in a satanic stronghold. It could be one of the four things that we've been preaching about the last four weeks. It could be something totally different. It could be an addiction. It could be humanism, evolution, whatever. But you bought into it. And now you're trapped. And listen, you can be free today. Jesus told me to come to you today, use this word, and tell you that you can be free. You don't have to be bound up. 
You don't have to be trapped. I'm asking you today, come to this altar. Bow your knee before the Lord and ask him to set you free. And I'll bet you there, there, are, there are believers in this room and there are people in your family that you love dearly and they're trapped. They are trapped. And it's strong. And you don't understand why in the world they can't free themselves. Today, I hope you understand it better. It's a powerful thing. And it takes God to set them free. And I'm going to invite you to come to the altar and pray for that loved one. Pray for that friend, that co-worker who is in a trap, a satanic stronghold trap. You come. Pray for them right here at this altar. But if you're in this room today and you're not a believer, none of this stuff that I mentioned will work for you. It won't work. Because it can only be used by those who have repented of their sin and placed their faith in Jesus. Now, you may have bought into that ideology that says, look, there are many ways to be pluralism. That, that, that's an ideology, a satanic ideology, a lie from the enemy that has been planted in the minds and hearts of so many people in our culture today. There are many ways to be saved. I talked to a young man at Perkins several weeks ago who had bought into that ideology. And I shared the gospel with him. I wish I could tell you he broke down and repented and placed his faith in Jesus, but he didn't. But you know what? He heard the truth. He heard the gospel. And the Holy Spirit can take that seed of the gospel and water it and fertilize it until it takes root downward and bears fruit upward for the glory of Jesus and the kingdom. Listen. If you're in this room today and you've never repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus, I want you to know we're living at a very dangerous time. I believe with all my heart that the coming of Jesus is going to be soon. I believe with all of my heart that time as we know it is running out. That's why the Bible says today is a day of salvation. And I want to invite you to leave your seat to change, you know what repentance means? Repentance literally means to change your mind. Change your mind. Just for a moment here today, allow the Holy Spirit to take your mind to the truth of the gospel and step out in faith and believe in Jesus and he'll save you and he will deliver you from that trap that Satan has placed you in today. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that we have an answer for these satanic strongholds. I thank you, Father, for what Paul recorded here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And I pray that there would be a a mighty move of God in our midst today and that great victories and great freedoms would be won today in people's hearts and lives. Lord, have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name.